Section 11, Story 14 of the Algonquin Legends of New England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary in Arkansas. How Glooskap made a magician of a young man who aided another to win a wife and do wonderful deeds. Micmac. It is well known unto all Indians who still keep the true faith of the olden times that there are wondrous dwellers in the lonely woods, such as elves and fairies called by the Micmacs Bicumwesos, and by the Passamaquoddies Unajimisos, and these can work great wonders, and also sing so as to charm the wildest beast. From them alone come the magic pipes or flutes which sometimes pass into possession of noted sorcerers and great warriors and when these are played upon the woman who hears the melody is bewitched with love and the moose and caribou follow the sound even to their death and when the mecumwisus are pleased with a mortal they make him a fairy even like themselves Necarnayu. in old times there was an indian village and in it were the two young men who had heard that glooskap ere he left the world would bestow on those who came to him whatever they wanted footnote According to another Micmac version of this legend, the elder of these pilgrims was Kikwaju, the badger, and the younger Kaktugwasis, or Little Thunder. End footnote. So they went their way, an exceeding long pilgrimage, until they came to a great island where he dwelt, and there they first met with Dame Bear and Martin, and next with the master himself. Then they all, sitting down to supper, had placed before them only one extremely small dish, and on this there was a tiny bit of meat, and nothing more. But being a bold and jolly fellow, the first of the pilgrims, thinking himself mocked for sport, cut off a great part of the meat and ate it, when that which was in the dish grew in a twinkling to its former size. And so this went on all through the supper, each one eating his fill, the dish at the end being as full as ever. Of these two, one wished to become a Mukumwis, and the other to win a very beautiful girl, the daughter of a great chief, who imposed such cruel tasks on all who came for her, that they died in attempting them. And the first was taken by Glooskap, and after he had, by a merry trick, covered him with filth and put him to great shame, he took him to the river, and after washing him clean and combing his hair, gave him a change of raiment and a hair-string of exceeding great magic virtue, since when he had bound it on he became a Mukumwis, having all the power of the elfin world and also because he desired to excel in singing and music, the master gave him a small pipe, and it was that which charmed all living beings, and then singing a song bade him join in with him. Footnote. The identity of these incidents with those of, quote, classic, end quote, times, is worth noting. There is a lustration and the clothing of the neophyte in a new garment, and he receives the magic fillet, as in the mysteries of the old world nor is the resemblance of the pipe of that of Orpheus less striking. In many respects this is the most remarkable old Indian myth I have ever met with. End footnote. And doing this he found that he could sing, and ever after had a wondrous voice. Now to seek the beautiful girl it was necessary to sail afar over the sea, and during this adventure the Macumwis was charged to take care of the younger pilgrim. So he begged the master to lend him his canoe, and Glooskap answered, Yes, I will do this for thee, if thou wilt honestly return it when thou needest it no more. Yet in very truth I never did yet lend it to mortal man, but that I had to go after it myself. 
Footnote. One of the traits of bonhomie and common humanity which continually occur in the Glooskap tales, even in the most serious situations and solemn myths. In this respect, the resemblance of the Northwest Algonquin tales to the Norse is truly striking. The canoe is among all Indians, even in Central America, exactly what the umbrella is in civilized society. With all his immense originality, Glooskap had a number of, quote, old Joes, end quote, of which he never seems to have tired. One was the inexhaustible dish, and another the giant skunk set up on end to, to salute his visitors, and this of the canoe was probably the commonest of all. He is a true Indian divinity, shining like the lightning and striking only when there is a storm, but appearing like the aurora borealis, or even the robin goodfellow, will-o'-the-wisp, and others. End footnote. Thereupon the young man promised most faithfully that he would indeed return the canoe, and with this they got them ready for the journey. But when they came to the bay there was no canoe, and they knew not what was to be done. But Glooskap pointed to a small island of granite which rose amid the waves, and it was covered with tall pine trees. There is my canoe, said he, and when he had taken them unto it, it became a real canoe with masts, and they set sail on it, rejoicing. Footnote. Another standard, quote, piece of wit, end quote, with the incorrigible joker. Glooskap's, quote, floating island, end quote, was served up as a dessert to all guests, and I doubt not that if the double meaning of the word had been known to him, they would have had that too, end footnote. So they came in time to a very large island, where they drew up the canoe and hid it in the bushes. Then they went forward to seek for people, and found a village in which dwelt the chief who had the beautiful daughter, in seeking whom so many had lost their lives. And having found him, they went into his wigwam, and were placed on the seat of honor. Now when an Indian seeks a wife, he or his mutual friend makes no great ado about it, but utters two words, which tell the whole story. And these are, which means in Micmac, I am tired of living alone. And the chief, hearing this, consented that the young man should marry her whom he sought, but on one condition, and this was that he should slay and bring unto him the head of a certain horned dragon, called in Micmac, Chepichcom. And so this was agreed upon, and the two strangers went to the wigwam which was assigned them. Footnote Vide, quote, supernatural beings, end quote. The Chepichcom is an immense horned serpent or wingless dragon. It is probably identical with the Wilwemic, which is a singular horned worm found on trees or by water. It is believed to be capable of assuming a vast size and to be gifted with supernatural powers. End footnote. Now in the night he that was Mikumwas arose and went alone and afar, until he came to the den of the dragon, and this was a great hole in the ground. And over this he laid a mighty log, and then began the magic dance around the den. So the serpent, or the great Chipichguam, hearing the call, came forth, putting out his head after the manner of snakes, waving it all about in every way, and looking round him. While doing this he rested his neck upon the log, when the Indian, with a blow of his hatchet, severed it. When taking the head by one of the shining yellow horns, he bore it to his friend, who in the morning gave it to the chief, and the old man said to himself, This time, I fear me, I shall lose my child. Yet the young man had more to do, for the chief said, I would fain see my son coast down yonder hill on a hand-sled. Now this hill was an exceeding high mountain, 
the sides thereof were ragged with rocks and terrible with trees and ice then two toboggans were brought out one of them for the two quote, strangers end quote. and this he that was mikumwas was to direct and on the other were two powerful men and these were both buoniac who hoped to see the former soon fall out and then to run over them footnote buoniac magicians the original of powwowan it is apparently the same in meaning as the angakok of the neighboring eskimo End footnote. and at the word they went flying fearfully down the mountain and yet ever faster as if to death and soon he that sought the girl went whirling headlong from the sled and the two buoniac gave a loud hurrah for they knew not that this had been done with intent by the mikumwas that he might get them before him so he put forth his hand and seizing the younger man turned a little aside but in an instant went on after and ere long the sled of the buoniac stopped but the other bounding upwards from a mighty wall of ice flew far over their heads onwards nor did it stop in the valley but running with tremendous speed up the opposite hill and into the village struck the side of the chief's wigwam ripping it from end to end ere it stopped and the old man seeing this said this time i have lost my daughter yet the young man had more to do for the chief said there is here a man who has never been beaten in running and thou must strive with him in that and overcome him to win thy wife and the race was appointed but ere it came off he that was mikumwas lent to his friend the magic pipe to give him power footnote it may be observed that indian magic depends on fetish or objects having innate power glooskap himself relies on his belt and when he lends it to martin the boy becomes quote, manitou end quote, as the more western indians term it there is in the early red indian mythology really no god only more or less powerful magicians end footnote. and when he that was the racer of the village met the young man the youth said who art thou and he replied i am weyadusk the northern lights but who art thou and he answered i am wosakwodusk the chain lightning and they ran in an instant they were no longer in sight they were far away over the most distant hills then all set and waited and ere it was noon he that was the chain lightning returned and he was not out of breath nor weary and he had gone round the world and at evening they saw the northern lights return and he trembled and quivered with fatigue yet for all that lie had not been round the world but had turned back and the old chief seeing him beaten exclaimed this time i shall lose my child and yet there was another trial of the young man ere he could win her whom he wanted for the chief had a man whom no one could overcome in swimming and diving and it was chiefly in this last thing that he excelled and the young man must strive with him and when they met he asked the man of the village his name and he replied i am akchigumuchik a sea-duck but who are you and he answered i am kwiimu a loon so they dived and after a time the sea-duck rose again for breath but those who waited waited long indeed ere they saw the loon and an hour passed and he came not and yet another ere they beheld him but when he at last rose the old chief said this is the end of all our weary work for this time truly i have lost my child yet it was not the end of the wonderful deeds which were done in that village by the power of the great glooskap 
for the mikumwas at the great dance which was held that evening at the wedding astonished all who beheld him as he danced round the circle upon the very hard-beaten floor they saw his feet sinking deeper at every step and ever deeper as the dance went on ploughing the ground up into high uneven ridges forming a trench as he went until at length only his head was to be seen footnote this is very characteristic of the true magician both in the algonquin and eskimo folklore the angakok or sorcerer of greenland after meeting with the tumarsuk or guardian spirits sometimes manifested it by his feet sinking into the rocky ground just as if into snow this phrase indicates the northern origin of the idea which occurs in many indian stories i have been assured in all faith that there is a passamaquoddy metuelin or sorcerer now living who can walk up to his knees in a floor or in the paved street and an honest and trustworthy indian assured me that he had seen him do it End footnote. and this ended the dancing for that night since the ground was no longer to be danced upon by anybody except wizards and witches then the young man and his wife and the mikumis entered their canoe and sailed homewards and yet their trials were not over footnote these subsequent trials were not inflicted by the old chief but were as appears by comparison with other legends simply jokes played by the incorrigible glooskap it is most probable that in its original form this remarkable myth was all maya or illusion and the whole series of illusions caused by the arch-conjurer typifying natural phenomena End footnote for they had not gone far ere they saw an awful storm coming to meet them and he that had the elfin spells knew that it was raised by buowen or sorcery since these storms are the worst of all then without fear he rose and filling his lungs and puffing his cheeks he blew against the tempest wind against wind until he blew the wind away and the great water was eubuninak as calm and smooth as before so they sailed on over the sunlit sea but it was not long before the elf-gifted saw rising among the waves far before them a dark mass which soon proved to be a tremendous beast coming to attack them and as he drew near they saw it was quabit the giant beaver and his eyes were angry footnote from the beginning when quabitus the son of the beaver inspired malsumsis with hatred of glooskap this quadruped appears as an enemy End footnote but the mikumwas seeing this steered straight to meet the monster and coming to him said i am the great hunter of beavers lo i am their butcher many a one has fallen by my hand footnote this is oddly like the speech of the beaver killer in the hunting of the snark End footnote. now the beaver had placed himself under water with his tail out of it and rising upwards that he might sink the canoe with a blow thereof for the beaver strikes mightily in such wise as is his wont but he of the magic power with one blow of his tomahawk cut the tail from the body and sailed onward yet they had not gone far ere on rounding a point they saw before them another animal of giant size who likewise had his tail in the air waiting to overcome them and this was ebekthilo the skunk yet ere he made his hideous attack the mikumwas ever on the watch caught up his spur and hurling it pierced abicthilo who did but kick two or three times ere he died and stepping ashore he who had slain him took a pole a long dead pine which lay upon the sand and transfixing the skunk 
lifted him high in the air, and planting the tree on the ground, left him, saying scornfully as he left, Lixujenen, which, being interpreted, meaneth, and now show your tail there. Footnote. The skunk is here a parody on the beaver. So they returned safely, and Glooskap met them at the landing, and his first words were, Well, my friends, I see that you have brought back my canoe. And they answered, We have indeed. Then he inquired, Has all gone well with ye? And they replied that it had. Then Glooskap, laughing, let them know that in all they had experienced he had been busy, and that in all their triumphs he had had a hand. And to the Macumwas he said, Go now thy ways, thou in these, and ever lead happy lives, thou amid the elfin, they among mankind. And be sure of this, that if danger or trouble should come to you, you have but to think of me, and verily aid will come. So they rose and went to their wigwams. Footnote. In its earlier form this must have been a very remarkable narrative or poem, that the two combatants in the race were originally the personified northern lights and lightning, and that these were not merely names assumed for boasting, is shown by the incident that the lightning actually passed around the world, while the aurora borealis only covered a portion of it. The diving is either a later addition, or it represents the same stupendous spirits taking on the appearance of mastering the element of water as well as that of fire. Without carrying the solar myth theory to extremes, it cannot be denied that Glooskap appears in several of these stories as spring or as the melter of ice, the conqueror of the frozen stream and of the iceberg. In this narrative he is active in creative nature itself, directing and sporting with the warring elements. His vast practical joking cannot fail to remind the reader, yet again, of the Norse deities and their jovial household godhood. This tradition is Micmac, and taken almost entirely from Mr. Rand's manuscript. It should be borne in mind that it is not from a single story of this collection, but from a careful analysis and comparison of them all, that their entire value is to be ascertained. Certain incidents in this tale deserve special attention. The young men go to a land of evil sorcerers, of Buoen. When one is required to run a race, he conquers because he is really the lightning. When Thor visits Utgard Loki, there is also a race in which Hujai wins, because he is thought disguised as a man. Glooskap has a canoe which is sometimes immensely large, but which at other times shrinks to a very small size. In the Edda, Oda is said to have had made for him by the dwarfs a boat, Skidbladur, which, like Glooskap's bark, expanded or diminished. Sigurd, in the new Edda, is obliged to kill a dragon, and it is very remarkable that he does it by a special previous preparation. That is to say, he digs a little ditch, and when the dragon crawls over it, the hero pierces him with his sword. In this story the Indian lays a log over the dragon's hole to enable him to chop his head off. The dragon, or horned snake, is an old-time tradition in America or pre-Columbian. In footnote, end section 11.